For this week's episode, we are going to talk about the rape of Yuyun, and consequently, since this is a graphic topic, if you are uncomfortable about the topic of sexual violence and rape, this might not be the episode for you, so this is just a trigger warning. Welcome to the sixth episode of Dialogica. I'm Stephanie, and Sweden's away this week and this month doing his actual hustles, which is working for our political campaign, and he's enjoying hot dogs and fries and burgers in New York right now. And so this week we have a special guest speaker, Priscilla. Hi, I'm Priscilla. I'm studied feminist anthropology in Oxford University um, under Professor Mary Yashok, super super famous woman and a longtime friend of Stephanie's. This week we're going to talk about the Yuyun case and we want to talk about rape, domestic violence. We also talk about why we think this story really blew up on social media and resonated with Indonesians the motivations for rape and how we think we should use this topic to educate men and boys not to rape and take control and agency over their choices in everyday life. But yeah, well, here's to it. of the events that happened leading to Yu Yun's death. On April 2nd, young girl Yu Yun was walking home from school. She just came back from her Girl Scout activities when she was stopped by 14 young men, one of which was her ex-boyfriend. Most of which were boys she knew from school. And so they raped her to the point of exhaustion, taking turns even after she passed away and um, they threw away her body in a ditch and covered up with leaves and left her to rot. So her family tried to find her and couldn't find her and eventually they organized a local search and rescue and found her dead body, from which four days later the police came and arrested four boys initially and then another four boys after that. So of the 14 men who raped Yuyun, 12 of them are in custody and two of them are actually still on the loose. Initially, the news didn't gain that much traction. The events were reported on local media, but it didn't go national until one month after that when activists who noticed that this happened started to use this hashtag #nyalaiuntukyun to bring greater visibility to this incident. Yeah, by May 2nd, BBC published like a huge report on it during which the case got a lot more exposure. Within a month, Myala um, Antukyuyun already gained um, 13,000 posts in the media. And women activists and other women in general saw this lack of attention as a general disregard for women's issues and the safety of women in Indonesia and found that this crime was a very good rallying point to talk about sexual violence in Indonesia in general as well and the idea that we need to improve the laws in sexual violence and how to handle these kinds of cases in the future. This got so much traction that um, the government is now revising a draft for the laws against the violence against women. This, I think, is just a very notable case because as an Indonesian, I never hear cases of gang rape escalated to the scale. Mm -hmm. And I'm really glad to hear that it's getting the right traction from the government and that str- um, oh, stronger oh, sanctions yeah. are being discussed. Yeah, but the, so the thing that was, I think, really galvanized a lot of activists was the fact that 
no one in government really took notice until the netizen and social media outreach became too big. Johanna Yembise, the Minister of um, Women Empowerment, actually said, and I'm quoting from Antara News here, Indonesia is mourning. This case has shocked the state. I think such a case has happened for the first time in Indonesia. She didn't actually know this happened until news of the sexual crime on the BBC and all of these other media came. <laughs> and then her son, who was studying in Bitsen, told her about this. So yes. good job, minister. Actually, this is not the that first time. That was me time. being sarcastic, <laughs> if um, you guys don't know my sense of sarcasm. But yeah, this is not the first time. This no. is ev- absolutely not the first time <laughs> gang rape Asia. happened in Asia. happening is following the government's reaction uh, Jokowi actually said that um, he wanted the harshest possible sentence for these uh, perpetrators and these rapists and of the 12 that are in custody seven of them have been sentenced already so the seven that has been sentenced are the perpetrators who were under the age of 18 and they got a sentence of 10 years in prison only 10 years in prison so these boys who rape you and who are 14, 15 will be 25 when they are out. And I don't think there's going to be any form of rehabilitative or preventative thing that could happen. It makes me severely uncomfortable. And we don't have a um, sex offender registry, right? So how do you know, you know if your neighbor or the person you're employing wasn't a former rapist? That kind of creeps me out. A lot. That should creep everybody out. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm Indonesian. I followed the news quite mm-hmm. religiously, and we've heard cases in large in other countries. But I think mm-hmm. this is the first time in Indonesia. Why do you think that's the case? Why is it is it now? Is it social media? I think it's a confluence of factors for sure, right? But I think in this case, one, this is the right case, right? The idea that this is a victim that is relatively young. She also fits the model of the blameless victim and this is disproportionately contrasted to the fact that there's like 14 young men who raped her right and killed her right so that gross disproportion of the violent act really propelled it into the spotlight so if i think there was only two guys and her it wouldn't have this much attention but i think it's also the fact that there's a clear protagonist here who we're rooting for right you and like she's a relatable person right like you know we're all 14 once, you know, and we were all, everyone has a sister or a daughter or someone they can consider and put their identity into her, you know? And and she's just doing something that's so commonplace, right? For for everyone, she goes home to school. Now, when I first read the news, I felt speechless and Mm -hmm. appalled and as a woman in this country, feel even less safe. Yeah. You're just going about your daily life, and suddenly you are attacked by 14 men. The idea that violence against women is something that is not commonplace, or that's something that is rare and once in a blue moon thing is very not true for most girls, right? Like, all girls, all women, this was a hashtag for a while, right? And like, hashtag yes, all women. So like, the idea that all women at some point of their lives have feared for their own personal safety is not surprising to us, right? 
I don't know. I don't know if you have experience in this, but like, oh no, I'm 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 completely paranoid about yeah. everything about yeah. rape. That that's just me, and and I don't think it's just you. I think that's all women. You know, like we've all been in situations where it's been uncomfortable for yeah, some reason. You, you walk home, and when you're alone, you Late walk faster. Yeah. You clutch your bag. You hold you, your keys. You have a pepper spray, yeah. and you have when it's just you and a driver and another passenger in a bus. You would imagine scenarios where yeah. you get kidnapped just yeah. because that's what you read in the news, and yeah. it could happen to you. And for women, that's definitely the thought that goes through our mind. It could happen to me anytime, yeah. anywhere. The most dangerous thing is actually not stranger danger, right? Like the idea that it's, you're gonna be raped or attacked by someone you don't know. Most of the time, like Yuyun's case, it's somebody who you know how one of these perpetrators was actually an ex-boyfriend of Yuyun, right? So I think that definitely has a factor. And even if he wasn't in that group, like the fact that, you know, there's an acquaintance who raped her and uh, the chronology was also that she refused to like hang out with these guys. So these guys were like, oh, come, like they were catcalling her. And then she refused to like hang out with them. She just wanted to go home. And so they decided to commit the worst thing possible that idea of just like men feeling entitled to women's attention and feeling entitled to women's bodies is like very problematic but also true in a way in like both small and big scale right because this is like i think a lot of women often feel that you know if a guy is nice to them they have to be nice back or and give them the time of day right and like guys always have this oh i'm a nice guy why doesn't she like pay attention to me you know Um, study um, on men and violence. They studied three sites in Indonesia. They studied mm-hmm. Jakarta, rural Java, and Jayapura, places where incidents of rape are really high. Mm-hmm. Now, they surveyed the perpetrators of rape and tried to understand what were their motivations when they were raping mm-hmm. a person. Now, 77% of the men cited that they have sexual entitlement to women's body. Which is scary. You can see, like, me, like, being nauseous and, like, wanting to puke right now. Well, even more nauseating, 55% of them say that they're entertainment-seeking. So it's like, oh... Women as a form of entertainment. Oh, God. There's nothing good on Netflix, so I'm just gonna, like, find a woman to rape. Um, And then 30% of them rape a woman because of anger or they want to punish the woman. So basically, I had an employee before who who actually we found out beat his wife and we tried to get her to report to the police and she just wouldn't, you know, this idea that um, she doesn't want to upset the family, she doesn't want to change the family dynamics and the idea that, you know, she brought it on or she blames herself, that's still very much entrenched in women's lives, right? Like this idea that they brought it upon themselves or they're going to blame themselves and even if they do report it, I think one thing that we would worry about is how the police would handle this, the problem, right? Just because I think a lot of police may not take it as seriously. They see this as a domestic matter, which should be solved within the family and not necessarily something that should be criminally taken up on. 
it makes it very difficult to even have a conversation about rape, about sexual violence, and about mm. physical abuse at home when you live in a religious country where that is highly patriarchal. Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, well, men is the leader of the family. Yeah. You know, some people I've heard, they believe they even have the right to beat mm-hmm. their wives when their wives are deemed to be disobedient. Yeah. We as a country don't really have a dialogue about what is healthy relationships and sex, right? Actually, I have an acquaintance who endured domestic violence for 18 years of her marriage. Um, She came out to her religious leader, Mm -hmm. a Christian religious leader, the pastor, and, you know, saying that I want to get a divorce. And so the pastor, instead of reporting it to the authorities or taking more, more, um, supportive support being more supportive being a decent human being he was he actually um along with the woman's family interpreted that divorce is wrong uh, according to the bible and that the woman should just stay in the marriage well that woman continued to be abused for another 10 years before she realized you know what enough is enough i'm just enough is enough and i'm just gonna go on a divorce which is very sad because then you have some interpretations of religion mm-hmm. justifying mm-hmm. Um, violence yeah, and like you know modesty or uh, covering yourself up in different religions have been you know blamed or been the prerogative of women to do right the idea is that you shouldn't entice men to rape you and cover yourself as like the imperative for you to do so this idea that you're culpable for the violence that happens to you is i think set up by religions who put the blame and who put the duty of women to like guard their modesty right Mm -hmm. instead of teaching men not to rape it goes back to the whole question of rape being an issue of power actually and not an issue about sex and and the whole union case is a perfect example of Mm -hmm. that when it's highly likely that the men felt rejected in yeah. one way or another mm-hmm. and felt that in order to gain their respect or their masculinity back that yeah. they had to rape the girl. Yeah. So there's several theories of rape. So this idea that one, there's a socio-biological theory of rape. So this idea that rape is in the nature of men to do, you know, like they point out to the fact that animals rape other animals, so like dolphins, orangutans, and other animals force sex, the dominant male forces sex on a female, and this somehow proves that rape is inevitable, which is one false, right? Like, even if uh, it's true in nature, it doesn't have to be the case that it's inevitable. Men have an ability to control themselves, right? So I think this is definitely one of the weaker theories there are. So the control theory is like, you know, rape as power, right? How for men, how can they get, they feel slighted or somehow feel like they need to assert their dominance. They use rape as one mechanism. They can do that. And then the other one is rape as a gender-based hate crime. So the idea that rape is a particular kind of violence against women in which, as obviously there are women who rape men, which is a whole another valid topic in itself. And, but generally, rape is something that by and large is done by men towards women. And this is not to dismiss any kind of other rape, but men-on-female rape is definitely one of the bigger categories in which this happens. And in particular, gang rape itself has its own particular dynamics and its own particular problems, which has to do with like hyper-masculinity and the idea that men need to prove themselves. Yeah, I think the dynamics of gang rape definitely 
tap into the whole male competition and in a group of men power is actually also defined by the society mm-hmm. and in that case in a particular group so mm-hmm. for example in a very famous novel called lord of flies mm-hmm. it's, the story is just a bunch of little boys they were abandoned an island and mm-hmm. then one became the leader and you know at the on start of the novel one of the younger boys he just took a conch that's like a shell yeah. and then he said whoever has the conch has the power yeah. and so immediately that conch becomes an object of power mm-hmm. through which other men or mm-hmm. members of the group could earn their right to power even though it's just a trivial object yeah. now when there is a gang rape um, mm-hmm. perhaps even members of the group could have felt hesitant about yeah. it but because they didn't want to lose their place of power in and, the group, mm-hmm. they had to also participate in the gang rape in order to maintain their status mm-hmm. in the group. Yeah, and this this is actually a part of a larger, it's called criminal spin theory. So in criminology, the idea that, for example, the boys in this Yoon case didn't initially set out to rape Yoon, but because they're in a group dynamic and the group setting, slowly things escalate and they there's a cycle in which a rapidly and acutely this like male ego dominance hyper masculinity thinks you kind of want to one up each other and then that makes you unable to say no and stop the cycle and so like there's it's kind of like bandwagoning into something that's just so heinous and so obscene and ununderstandable to us right like how can this happen right to you and things like oh they were drinking alcohol this is alcohol's fault no no it is not people have drunk alcohol so much and most of the time they don't end up raping women like the, the, the problem i have with like blaming pornography and alcohol is you're taking away the agency of men to rape you're you're saying that it's pornography and alcohol that causes men to rape. And you kind of say that, okay, they're not as much responsible for what they've done. I mean, they certainly do have agency. And I agree with you. We don't want to take away their agency and make them unaccountable for yeah. their actions. But certainly, you would agree that the increase of pornography, access to increasing access to internet, has allowed men to be more stimulated by the media. I think it just more normalizes the idea of violence in sex you know i think for example i think in this case they had porn which was more like gang rapey type stuff so it kind of gives them the idea of violent sex being gratifying so i think in that sense it gives them the idea of it but i think also we as a country have had a problematic history with gang rape as well like it's not the first time it happened certainly not the last I think some men just like the idea of having power. I think there's something to say with you know, the fact that these young men are men in rural areas with not that many opportunities for work. I think they said it, they were unemployed, you know, they don't have a lot of prospects for a bright future. All this idea that I think with mas- the idea of masculinity, right, you feel entitled to women's bodies, but not only that, you feel that by being violent and by getting what you want, you're being a real man. And if you're not a man who has a lot of power and agency over your life in general, so this is one easy 
free way they can have some control over their life right absolutely and by get, getting that from a woman at somebody's expense yeah in the world where there's only limited ways for you to exert your masculinity mm-hmm. of course attaining masculinity through rape and violence is one very sad way to do it i want us to have a dialogue in terms of you know if you were a part of this group of men right because i'm sure this group of men are not particularly exceptionally evil in in as individual right like how can men most men in this circumstance and the, if they were put in this situation will they have done the same thing or not you know can we like start a discussion you know like mothers to their sons like teachers to their students like if you're ever in a group situation like this like can you apply that to yourself and say like i'm going to stop and yeah. stand up for women or like if this cuz this applies to more everyday situations if you see a woman being catcalled or you see a woman being uncomfortably harassed by someone else are you going to step in and do something about it and i think that should also be a part of this larger conversation yeah This is this week's episode of Dialogica. Thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dialogica. Special thanks to Sweden who purely virtually edited this podcast. And as always, music credits goes to Ryan Little, Jazzard, and Broke for Free. More information about this topic and this case on our website, dialogica.id. And if you haven't yet, please like us on Facebook and Instagram. Tune in to our next episode in two weeks. Thanks!